Act Two of The Boss by Edward Sheldon. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Act Second Reagan's Library, the evening of April 29th. It is a new, elaborate, and obviously expensive room, controlled, however, by good taste. On right, three long windows with heavy brocaded curtains. At right, above the windows and facing downstage, a door leading to Reagan's office. At back, a recessed fireplace and seats on both sides of it. At left, a door leading to the hall and the rest of the house reached by a step and landing. The wall space above and below this door is occupied by bookcases, filled by expensive bindings. At right center, half facing the audience, a long library table with lamps, papers, and writing materials. Also a desk telephone and a tray containing whiskey glasses and a siphon. Behind it stands a large chair, and in front of it a wide, comfortable couch. Near the windows is another smaller table with a lamp. The lighting is soft and restful. As the curtain rises, Davis, Reagan's secretary, a small, worn, little man, is discovered hunting about among the papers on the desk. From the left comes the sound of people laughing and talking. Then the door opens, showing brilliant lights and increased noise of talk and laughter, and Reagan enters furtively, closing the door behind him. He is in evening dress. Say, that guy ain't come in with the ultimatum. No, sir, not yet. I, I'm afraid I'm in the way here. Oh, that's okay. I got through another dinner, Davis. I'm getting better every day. They'll have me smoking cigarettes first thing I know. Say, we got a swell bunch there tonight. Gee, it makes me sweat to talk to him, though. I just sneaked in here a minute to cool down. Well, I suppose I might as well be getting back on me book job. Book job? Yeah, I'm getting literary, Davis. Looking at bookshelves. I've read from there to there. What are you after? I'm hunting for that interview with young Griswold in the record times. The one telling how he organized his labor union and got our men to strike? Yes, sir. Go on, use that to light a cigar. All right, sir. Then I've finished for tonight. Go home and get some sleep. You need sleep when we got a big scrap on like this. That's what my wife says, too. Say, how are the kids? Fine, sir. The new school's exactly what they needed. Nervously. We, we never can thank you as you ought to be thanked for. Reagan, interrupting. Ah, oh, rats. Now don't begin on that again. I didn't do nothing but write a check, and... The door opens, and Mrs. Kyler comes in quickly. She is a fashionable young woman, outspoken, though kindly. She is in evening dress. I saw you escape, Mr. Reagan, and I just made up my mind. I wouldn't let you. Well, you see, Mrs. Kyler, I'm expecting a visit from one of them strikers. They're sending me what they call their union ultimatum. To Davis. Good night, son. Davis going out. Good night, sir. The strike? Oh, how exciting! I'm just back from Europe, but I hear it's been the talk of the town for two months. Reagan, proudly. Yeah, we've kept things going at quite a clip. Tell me, how is it all going to end? Will you up and crush your brother in love, or will your brother in love up and crush you? 
Oh, I do hope somebody's crushed. Reagan, opening humidor. Then you'd better get out your handkerchief for him. They didn't call me Shindy Mike for nothing. I never got licked by a bunch of scoopers before, and I guess I'm too old to begin. He takes out a long black cigar and sticks it in his mouth. Mrs. Kyler, clapping her hands impulsively. That's splendid. Keep it up. She comes to the sofa. Ah, go on. You're kidding me. No, I'm not. I don't think I dare. I've always been so afraid of you, Mr. Reagan. I believe you were the original bogey that my nurse used to frighten me with when I wouldn't go to sleep long ago. But now I've seen you, I'm disappointed, because you're not a bogey at all. You're just, um, a... Well, cut it loose. A man. A rather bad man, I suppose, but, oh dear, that only makes me envy Emily the more. Envy her? There is so much she can do to help you, Mr. Reagan. And the men we help the most are the men we love the best, after all. Help me. I wish she would. I want to be helped, and I wouldn't mind a little loving, too. Give her time, Mr. Reagan. Emily's a wonderful girl, even if she's a snob. A snob? Yes, morally, I mean. And on the whole, you're such a shady character. I don't blame the poor dear if she's mixed up at the start. No, I don't blame her neither, when I stop to think. It is rather hard on her, you know, having you swear at the wretched butler before all her guests. Why, well, I only did it twice. Twice? Well, I guess that's something. I used to cuss him every time he passed me the potatoes. Oh, dear. She laughs, then more seriously. Mr. Reagan, will you do something for me? What do you want? Be humane. Light that cigar and kill it quickly. Don't touch it any more. <laughs> guess you think I can't even be decent to a piece of tobacco. He throws his cigar in the grate. Well, Mr. Reagan, you really are a very black sheep. Do you know I could hardly make my husband come to dine with you tonight? He said he wanted to go to that big mass meeting. It's quite true. I had to be unusually thin with him. Poor feller. Tell him he can go to the meeting later on and yell to hell with Reagan all the louder for having lapped up my champagne. And your old friend, the Archbishop. Emily said he was taking ill at the last moment, so he couldn't come. But I don't believe it, Mr. Reagan, do you? I think he was annoyed because your men broke into that Union saloon this afternoon and sort of accidentally killed the proprietor. Well, it don't seem to bother you much. Oh, nothing ever bothers me. You see, I'm just a fan. I never get right down and play. But from the grandstand, I see most of the fine points of the game. And that's why, Mr. Reagan, you and Emily are very near my heart this evening. Enter Gates. Beg pardon, madam, but Mr. Kyler is leaving. Mrs. Reagan asked me to tell you. What nonsense! Why, it's barely nine. Very well. I'll be there directly. Piano is heard in the next room. Aren't husbands Boris? I suppose. I suppose we are. No, not you. You're lots of things, but I think there is no danger of you boring anyone. You know, Mr. Reagan, I must be fearfully immoral. I enjoy so much what I entirely disapprove of. You, for instance. He looks at her. Now Emily can't do that, never could. It seems too bad, and yet... And yet I somehow think it's going to be the making of you both. 
mrs kyler would you mind helping me do something what is it reagan taking two jeweler's boxes from his pocket tell me which one of these she'd like the best he gives the larger one to her mrs kyler opening the box what's this a frog a diamond frog with ruby eyes i picked out that sort of cute ain't he kind of natural pipe his leg there of course live frogs are green with spots all over em but that don't make no difference when it comes to jewelry does it mrs kyler trying not to laugh not a bit i think it's sweet mr reagan what's the other ah just a pearl ring showing box to her the guy at the store was nutty over it but gee it seems kind of cheap to me alongside the other it's beautiful that's so well i'm strong for diamonds speaking for myself they give the wealthy look and ain't that what everybody's after mr reagan yeah i'd give you the one you chose yourself i'd give you the frog hands back boxes all right i will what is it her birthday nah we was married six months ago to-day i just want her to know that i remember that's all listen do you hear her playin in there it makes me kind of kind of homesick for some place i've never seen you will mr reagan before so very long good-bye god bless you shinty mike she smiles at him swiftly waves her hand and goes out he stands for a moment looking after her gates enters by the other door i beg pardon sir that striker shown up yet no sir it's mr mccoy mccoy where there in the office sir he rang the side bell and i thought as you what right have you got to think i'll do all the thinking that goes on in this house turning to door come in here porky gates has held the door open for mccoy a good-looking reckless young tough carrying a soft hat in his hand may i ask sir if i'll go to hell very good sir he goes out say mike wait a second what about hurley's bar did you smash it good yeah we put it on the blink but mike and hurley what about him it's all right we laid him out just like he wanted so that's okay now tell me why you're not at st mary's hall this minute a listening to them guys like i told you to say mike something's doing well and i just thought i'd drop in and tell you about it on my way to the meeting go on spit it out my missus what it's a boy nah sure he weighs nine pounds the cutest little duck you ever seen in all your life and your good woman doing fine everything's going on slick say when did it about five o'clock when i was a smashing hurley's bar you know porky shake they do so violently and solemnly we'll have a drop of this to celebrate turns to the table and pours out some whiskey the christian's on sunday week and she said i was to tell you you'd got to stand up with the kid and leave us name him michael r i'll be a proud man on that day porky giving him a glass now let her go to michael reagan mccoy michael reagan ignatius mccoy god help him may he grow up to be as swell a scrapper and as fine a friend as his old man was before him they both drink their liquor at a gulp i thank you kindly mike pause they both look at each other say porky is it true what they say what that kids ain't got no hair on em when they're born whoever says that's a liar and i'll bust him in the mug mine's got a bunch of hair and what's more it curls and their eyes now 
ain't they closed like kittens for a week or two a week or two nothing why he lay there a blinkin and a winkin at me like we'd known each other all our lives ain't it queer now ain't it queer how people come into the world that's right i don't suppose a man really knows what life means less he's got a kid the music in the next room stops sure thing say mike we just a waitin for ye first one to come to make a bonfire the whole blame ward we'll quit it what's bitin ye reagan looking around towards door can't she see a wife they rise as the door opens and emily comes in humming the air she has just been playing she sees the two men and stops short then with distant carelessness oh i beg your pardon i thought you were in your office is that you mr mccoy how do you do fine ma'am i thank ye the same to you ma'am it's it's getting cold this evening ain't it is it well i won't disturb you she turns to the door no don't go i got something i want to give ye speaking aside out of the corner of his mouth beat it parky what's bitin you fade away ain't you got the manners to see when ye ain't wanted pardon me good evening ma'am i hope ye sleep well ma'am see you later mike goes out very embarrassed good night mr mccoy he means well parky does but ye see the poor feller ain't had no social advantages but you'd like porky if you kind of got acquainted with him ah oh, i know he's a mutt in a parlor but gee he's an ace in a bar say you're lookin swell tonight. i kept pipin ye at dinner and sayin to myself gee says i she's got all them other dames lashed to the mast i think i'll go upstairs michael i'm feeling rather tired no wait do you know what day this is day yeah it's april twenty ninth well well think back six months i'd forgotten i hadn't so i took the liberty of he takes the jeweler's box from his pocket emily under her breath six months why it seems six years it don't to me say emily emily turning to him what seeing the box oh no oh, go on take it it's just a little keepsake he presses it into her hand just something to show that i'm still on me job strivin to please like they say in the ads emily trying to give it back to him take it back michael what credit it wherever you got it and send the money to father kelly for his strikers home fund strikers the women and children you understand but you ain't even looked at it say it's a diamond frog with oh take it reagan taking it i'm sorry i didn't know you minded when i gave you things gee if i'd only known i'd he stopped short with an effort turning towards the door that's all right good night good night i won't bother ye no more he slowly goes out emily stands for a moment then turns quickly to the other door just as it opens and gates appears madam well gates there's a gentleman to see you now i'm not at home it's mr griswold madam who mr donald griswold why why and he said i was to tell you it's most important then i think you'd better show him in very good madam he goes out she crosses to the other door opens it listens then satisfied closes it and returns to the middle of the room as gates shows in donald hello emily that'll do gates will you shut the door gates bows and does so 
When they are alone, Emily throws her arms about Donald's neck with a smothered cry. Don, my dear, oh, oh, I'm so glad you've come. Are you? I thought it would be the other way around, after all that's happened. Don't be foolish, dear. I haven't seen you for so long. It's five months now. Oh, Don, come along. Sit down here and tell me about everything. How's Dad? Very well. His rheumatism came back in January, but nothing serious. Did he have old Cortland? Yes. I wish he'd change. They say this new man, Winters, is awfully good. <laughs> Imagine father changing doctors after all these years. Don. Yes? How's the business? <sighs> all right. Though don't you think it's rather rough on Dad and me to ask? Don, why wouldn't either of you answer my letters? We both took your marriage very hard, you know. And I've been so proud. I wouldn't give in and try to make up, even though I wanted to so often. But now, my dear, I never realized before how much I love you. I'm chairman of that big strikers mass meeting tonight, and I've got to be at St. Mary's Hall by 9.30. So you see, I haven't got much time. I... Emily, how's Reagan? Well, I don't know. In there, I think. Don, you're looking thin and awfully tired. Can't you get off for a week and— Excuse me, but I'm in an awful rush, and what I want to know is— Emily, fiddling with his tie. Why, that's the very last tie I knitted for you. How well it's worn. Donald, impatiently pulling away from her. Do listen, Emily. I want to know what side you take in this anti-Reagan movement. What side? Yes. How do you feel about the strike, for instance? Strike? Yes, strike. The union strike we're running against him. Where do you stand? I don't know. You don't know? I've never meddled in his business. I've just done all I could to help the wives and children of the men he employs and let it go at that. I've been cowardly about facing things, I know. But tonight, the archbishop wrote me a note. He wouldn't dine here. He told me such dreadful things. They killed a saloon-keeper this afternoon. I know. Dave Hurley. Oh, Don, I've been having a terrible time. It just seems sometimes as if I couldn't keep it up a minute longer. Be good to me, dear. Please. I need it. I need someone to be good to me. She turns to him, sobbing like a child. Donald, melting for the first time and petting her tenderly. Oh, poor little girl. There now. Don't cry. I'm right here. Your big brother's right here, and he'll take care of you exactly the way he used to. Emily, trying to control herself. I, I can't help it. It's just too splendid to have you back again. Is it? Then you'll try to help me, won't you? Help you? Yes, it's like this. We... Don, give me your hand. They're getting Reagan's men to strike and join the Union at the rate of a hundred a day. Unless something happens, we'll make him shut down business by Monday at the latest. Why, even now, the Western companies are getting scared. Does he know that? No, but he will. They say he can't stand up much longer, and he won't. He can't, no matter how many dirty tricks he's carrying up his sleeve. Dirty tricks? What do you mean? 
Why, Gleason, he's our attorney. Gleason thinks that Reagan's just lying low until he can get a couple of thousand niggers up from Georgia or Alabama and start him working at the docks at a quarter a white man's wage. He could do it, too. Damn him. He's the only man I know who could. Shh, Don, be careful. He'll hear you. But before I get after the railroads and head him off, I've got to be dead sure of the whole proposition. And that's why I've come to you. To me? Yes. What about it? Is that his little game? I don't know. I've told you I never interfere in his business. Well, I want you to do a little interfering now. For me. I want you to find out whether this is true, and I want you to find out what road he's going to bring him over. Then we'll wait and nab him in the act. I'm glad he's in. You can get it out of him tonight. Don, dear, it... I'll ring you up tomorrow, about eleven, and... Don, I couldn't do that. Why, of course you could. Just tell him you're interested. Get him talking. You know how. He'll take care of the rest. I mean, I wouldn't do it. What? After all, he's my husband. But you're on our side. You're one of us. I'm your brother when it comes to that. I... I couldn't, dear. That's all. You must. It's your only chance to show Dad and me you're sorry for what you did. That you're fond of us still. I won't, I tell you. I can't. You'd better look out, Emily, or you'll make me think you approve of everything that man is doing. Killing saloon keepers and all the rest. I don't approve of it. You know I don't. You know I hate it from the bottom of my soul. Then why don't you help us stop it? You can. You hold the chance right there in your two hands. <sighs> Good Lord, don't you realize the importance? Yes, of course I realize. But I just know it's impossible. It isn't. It is. And what's more, you have no right to come and ask me. Oh, very well, then. One thing, sure. I'll never come again. If that's the sort of reason that brings you, I hope you never do. Emily! What do you mean by stirring up all this trouble, anyway? Didn't my husband help you just about as generously as any man could? Didn't he pull you up and get you on your feet and give you half his business, exactly as he said he would? He's kept his word, Michael has. He promised he'd leave you alone, and he's done it, too. And that, I believe, is more than you can say. I never gave my word. You're my brother, so I didn't see the need of asking for it. But now, oh, Don, you've made me feel ashamed of you. I'm ashamed of my family for the very first time. Do you mean that? Yes, I do. You're sure? Quite sure. Good night, then. Good. She stops short as the door opens and Reagan appears. Get out of my house, you damn sneaking little son of a gun, before I... Stop that! Reagan, turning to her. What? He's my brother, and he can come when he pleases and go when he pleases, so long as I choose to let him. See here, Emily, I've never got my back up before tonight, but now you're getting just a little bit too gay. Do you know what you are before you're anyone else? I don't care if it's sister or daughter or lifelong friend. You're Mrs. Reagan, got it? Mrs. R. 
and if you think you're going to sit on my parlor sofa in the middle of my house and tell the guy i'm scrappin to a finish how to land me on the jaw i didn't say a word you can ask him if i did appealing to her brother don then i did ring the bell that was the reason why you came in here tonight. gee for a good boy you're gettin on great you are first you let me help ye when you're down and out then by way o thankin me ye sneak around and try to get me men to strike and now i find ye tryin to make me own wife welch on me this may be honest griswold but if it is give me the other thing don't worry you've got that already now beat it you rubber-soled porch-climber ye beat it and if i ever catch you in my house again you won't get out alive all right keep an eye on saint mary's hall tonight reagan if you want to know how things are going there will be a few live wires you don't expect telephone rings don no i'm through with you he goes out emily stands by door with head bowed reagan has gone to answer telephone leaning over desk with one knee on sofa reagan at the telephone hello that you porky yeah you're at the hall well have they got a full house speak up there's such a damn lot of noise what about the street outside jammed for blocks men women and he smothers a furious exclamation <sighs> now nah, go on i didn't say nothing has the mayor come i can't hear they got a band playing ain't they waiting for young griswold yeah he's coming in his auto i wish it was in his hearse what gates enters is mr reagan there he's telephoning gates reagan hanging up receiver and turning about angrily well what do ye want come on i won't have no foolin' tonight. a man from the labor union he said you bring him in gates turns to go reagan suddenly roars say get a move on there you knock-kneed britisher or i'll take the crease out of the back of your neck with the toe of my boot sir i you fat-headed second girl beat it now and bring him in gates goes out quickly you must not talk to the servants that way while i'm in the room i can't stand it i just can't reagan shamefacedly at last ah oh, say i didn't mean all that i'm sorry gates opens the door and shows in the union delegate a rather poorly dressed, defiant-looking, slouchy laborer, wearing his Sunday clothes. You from the Union? Yeah. What's your name? Scanlon. Sixth Division? Yeah. I'm on. I fired you one day when you got to flip. Remember that? How do you do, Mr. Scanlon? Why, ma'am? I... I hope that Mrs. Scanlon is feeling better than when I saw her yesterday. Thanks, ma'am. The dough. He says she's just about the same. Well, we ought to be thankful she's no worse. Excuse us, Michael. Mrs. Scanlon's an old friend of mine, and she has bronchitis. Oh, is that so? Well, come on. What do you want? Choke it up. I ain't got much time. Scanlon, beginning his speech. At the meeting of the board last night, we passed a resolution. Ah, oh, damn your resolution. What's the least you'll take? Ten-hour day two shifts and a general superintendent elected by the union anything more yeah our own saloon 
and no one fired for using them instead of yours go on twenty-five percent raise on wages and i guess that's all oh say don't you want me watching jane we don't want nothing that ain't ours by rights who framed up that resolution what's the difference as long as it was carried was it griswold i ain't a saying griswold i thought so well what's the answer oh you want me answer do ye yeah and if it ain't the kind we like we'll soak ye all the harder later on oh ye'll soak me all the harder later on oh gee you make me sick come off that bum perch regan we done you and you know we've done you and there ain't a word more to be said regan suddenly springing on him like a wild animal ain't there he strikes the man with tremendous force emily shrieks the man falls and lies quivering on the floor regan draws back to kick him in the side emily coming between them pale and very firm michael what's that emily looking at him firmly michael it's i he looks at her as if seeing her for the first time there is a pause her gaze subdues him at last she speaks quietly get some whiskey she turns and kneels by the wounded man examining him regan returning with the glass is he out emily pouring whiskey between his lips he's stunned that's all looking up at regan it's a fine thing to send a man back this way to his dying wife dying but i thought you said it isn't bronchitis it's pneumonia and it was brought on from cold and hunger the doctor says she won't last out the week she made him promise not to tell her husband until the end why because she didn't wish to stand between him and his striker's work regan gives a muttered exclamation and sits on the couch his face in hands that's what you're fighting michael and you'll never beat that spirit in a thousand years has she got any kids four the youngest boy was born last summer regan has taken a roll of bills from his pocket hastily he comes to where scanlon lies what are you doing now regan bending over and slipping the money in scanlon's pocket just a couple of bills that's all you'll find him in the morning you nearly kill him and when he's lying here stunned and helpless you think you can make up by putting money in his pocket oh what's the use use why ain't you got no feelings don't you realize this man's got a sick wife and four kids one of em a baby born last summer don't you know he ain't had no wages since this strike was on his wife needs medicine to pull her through and them growin kids ought to stoke up three times a day on meat and potatoes doorbell is heard say what's the matter with ye anyway why he interrupts himself suddenly and turns to listen a pause he goes over to the window and looks out scanlon moves and groans aloud regan turns quickly back it's his grace the archbishop yeah he's coming here to see me we got to get this guy out of the way emily busy with scanlon wait i think he's coming too mr scanlon scanlon makes another movement and tries to sit up she helps him there you're feeling better aren't you scanlon sees regan and guards himself it's all right all right nobody's going to hurt you mr scanlon help him up michael where'll i stick him i don't know in your office i suppose Regan half drags, half carries him towards door. I hear Gates. Can you manage him alone? Sure. Put him in the big chair. 
Reagan, as he is dragging Scanlan through the door. And the bish? I'll talk to him. Reagan and Scanlan disappear. She closes the door after them and turns, just as the other door opens and Gates appears. His grace, the archbishop. There is an instant's pause. Then the archbishop enters. He is a big-jowled Irish man of much the same physical type as Reagan. He is dressed in clerical frock coat. Emily, coming forward cordially, her hand outstretched. Your grace. Archbishop, in his deep, rich voice, to which the traces of a former accent still cling. Mrs. Regan, this is indeed a great pleasure. Michael will be here directly. Won't you sit down? He's just attending to a little business for a, a friend. I hope you didn't take offence at my refusing to come to your party tonight, but after what I'd heard— I understand. Oh, I understand perfectly. Archbishop, very winningly. Mrs. Regan, can't ye do something to stop him? Please, your grace. He'll listen to a good woman. I remember once his old mother telling me how she kept him off the streets for a week just by asking him to help her with the dishes after supper, and he did it. For a week? Well, she was only his mother. I'm only his wife. I know. And I thought when he came to me that day and said, Father, says he, I'm going to get married. I thought our lady from heaven had dropped a smile right down into his heart. But now— Please, please, not any more. Trying to control her voice. You don't know. I know there's mighty little any man can do if his good woman's made up her mind the other way around. Ah, try it just once, me daughter, and remember— your two souls will stand together on the judgment day. I feel that I have no right to interfere. The door opens and Regan appears, a book in his hand. Regan, pretending not to see the archbishop. I've just been reading the most interesting book, me dear. Well, if there ain't his grace, God save your reverence, I didn't see ye at all. He kisses the archbishop's ring devoutly. Good night, your grace. Oh, don't go, Mrs. Regan. There's nothing we have to say that you shouldn't hear. Very well. I'll be back directly. She goes into next room. I'm on my way to the meeting at St. Mary's Hall. You ain't a-going to speak against me, father. That's just what I got to do. But why? Young Griswold was talking to me three hours this afternoon, and I find I've kept me mouth shut long enough. Well, if ye open up now, I see my finish. My son, I hope to God ye do. Ah, oh, father. So I just stopped in on me way down, just for the sake of old times, Mickey, to ask ye if ye won't give in before it's all too late. Give in and take a lickin'. Archbishop, with a troubled smile. A lickin'. Ah, it's true, ye never were much good at it from the day your family moved into Dugan's Bar, and my old father— God rest his soul, came over from the old country to run my uncle's grocery down the block. Do you remember? Say, we used to guy the life out of ye back there. When ye first came over, every time ye opened that mouth of yours, ye let out a begora green enough to turn the Fourth of July into St. Patrick's Day. Sure, Mickey, and it's true you never would let me be. Only yesterday I was thinking of the time you got a corner in dead cats, and sold em for a dime apiece. 
a nickel the kitten, to tie on the end of strings and slam us decent boys with when we came out from our Sunday school. Sure, I remember. Gee, I had a swell time that day, and I made a dollar and twenty cents, too. Yes, ye always were the J.P. Morgan of the whole Fourth Ward. But remember, when you'd go too far, I'd rise up in the name of righteousness and beat the pants clean off your legs. Well, ye was older'n me, and a blame sight bigger, too. And then ye'd lay for me in Clancy's Alley, with a brick in one hand and a piece of lead pipe in the other. Waitin' for hours at a stretch to put ye to sleep like the good kind friend I was. Archbishop looks at him, somewhat taken aback. Well, thank God for one thing, Mickey. You never could aim straight when it came to the plumbin'. Remember our last scrap behind them packin' boxes on the night before you sailed away to Rome? Gee, I can feel that knockout you gave me after twenty-five years. And mighty little good it's done ye, I'm thinkin'. You know, Mickey, you haven't changed much since those days. Nor you neither, Terry. Suddenly embarrassed. Saving your references, pardon. Ah, Mickey, what a priest you'd have made. And you, your grace, gee, what a politician. Mickey. Yes, father. Give it up, my son. Get away from Clancy's alley. Emily enters. Why, you've been living here all your life, and you need a change. So why don't you start in tonight and square yourself with the whole town by handing these men over what they want? Slight pause. Then putting his hand on Reagan's arm. It's for you I'm asking it, Mickey, just for you. Well, and if I don't? Then I'll go to this meeting tonight and tell these men that the Church of God is right behind them. And I'll never let up till I've struck ye to the ground, my son. And I can do it. Ye know I can. All right. You've got me. I give in. Do you mean it? Sure. There's nothing else to do. My son, I... If ye go straight home from here without showing yourself for speaking at the meeting, I'll send him word tomorrow morning that I'm down and by Sunday we'll have settled on the terms. Do you promise? Sure, I promise. Are ye sincere? Can I trust ye to play me square? You can trust me like you'd trust yourself. In fact, I've sort of grown to feel that the Union's right and I'm all wrong. And feeling that way, I'd like to make up for what I done to them poor fellows in the past. How long have you been feeling this way, Mickey? Ah, oh, I don't know. Two weeks, off and on. How about this afternoon? This afternoon? Yes. I don't know nothing about this afternoon. You mean ye haven't heard? I swear I ain't heard nothing. Go on, what is it? About your own gang, McCoy and all the rest, a breaking into Hurley's saloon and clubbing the poor man until— Now, ain't that just too bad? I told the boys again and again they'd better look out for their foolin', or it would get em into trouble. Foolin'? They're young, you know, and they got to work hard for a livin', so I never feel like blamin' em too much when they try to get a little enjoyment out of life. Enjoyment? But every now and then they go too far. I've noticed that. They sometimes go too far. Say, father, they ain't killed Hurley, have they? Uh, we don't know yet, but Mickey. Yeah, father, 
you're quite sure no orders came from you this afternoon to do this thing i swear to god i never heard a word about it up to now pause the telephone on desk rings that's mccoy now he's at the meeting telling me how it's going answering the call hello porky yeah say what do you mean by never telling me about this hurley business you ain't had time well you come up here after the meeting and i'll have something to say to ye understand the idea of such goin's on why folks will think i put ye up to it meself yeah don't apologize now it don't do no good and it makes me all the sorer now who's been speaking down there young griswold how's she going enthusiasm risin ha <laughs> is that so well ain't that nice rumor o what the last speaker to be the archbishop go on his grace is standin right beside me now and he says he ain't goin near the hall to-night he turns and looks up appealingly at the archbishop god help me i believe ye mickey and i'll give ye this one last chance Reagan, turning triumphantly to the telephone. Yeah, ye can bet on it. It's okay. Just take my word. So give him all my love, Porky, and tell him that I don't care what the hell they say. He rings off with a grin. In a week, then, everything will be settled for good? Just one week, and I'll have settled him for good and all. Do you hear that? Mrs. Regan, I... Do you know what he means? Stop that. I won't. I won't stop until I've told His Grace that not one single word you've said is true. What? Say, you're crazy. Gee, my wife's gone off her nut. He's lied to you. He's taken you in from the very beginning. Why, he hasn't the least intention of giving up one inch to those strikers. Don't listen to her, father. He's just fighting for time. Time! That's all he wants. A week? Why, in a week he's going to have two thousand negroes sent up from Alabama to take the place of Union men. Who told ye that? Look at him. He has the truth written all over his face. Reagan, turning away with clenched hands. God. Well, what do you got to say? Reagan, pulling himself together. My wife's all off. She don't know me, that's all. I say I've had a change of heart. I swear I feel as if every one of them blamed strikers was me brother. How dare you say that? Open that door, Your Grace, and look into the next room. The man you'll see there brought the Union ultimatum to this house tonight. He'll show you how my husband treats his brothers. Father, just a second. Now listen to me, please. Archbishop, pushing Reagan out of the way. Get out of me way! He goes across the room, opens the door, and disappears into Reagan's office. Reagan drops his mask for a moment and has an animal spasm of rage, keeping perfectly silent the while. Emily stands with her breast heaving. After a moment, their looks meet. A pause. Then the archbishop reappears, a stern, commanding figure. Reagan attempting to detain him. Say, it was an accident. He fell down by himself. I never meant to hurt him. Why, he's one of me very best friends. I wouldn't a had this happen for— Ah, oh, father, wait now. Say, where are you going? To St. Mary's all, to talk to the citizens of this town as a priest has never talked to em before. And when I'm through, Michael Regan, you'll stand naked and trembling before the whole world, 
and not one man will let ye touch his garments as he passes by. Reagan seizing his arm and whining. Oh, what's your rush? I didn't mean to get ye sore. Honest to God, I didn't. Ah, oh, come, father, you're not a-going to leave me this way. That ain't no way to treat an old friend. Say, father, I— Let me by. Sure, I will. Only I just want to make you understand how I feel about your going down there and— Let me by, Michael Regan. Regan, throwing aside his conciliatory manner. All right. When that meeting's finished, and not one second before. Michael! Do you think you can hold me here against my will? I don't think. I'm sure. And if ye don't believe it, why, off with your coat, Terry Sullivan, and we'll see if all the saints can save ye from a lickin'. Down on your knees, Michael Regan. Fall down on your knees and pray forgiveness for these blasphemies. Rebellious child, have ye forgotten that the armies of the Lord protect his servants? Have ye forgotten the great church standing like a mighty rock against the waves of sin? Do you think a wretched straw like you can break its power or change its end from what was written in the angel's book a million years ago? Ah, oh, go on, I didn't mean nothing. Do you think a fool can stand alone and shake the deep foundations of the world? Out of my way, presumptuous man! Regan, cowed, steps back and the archbishop sweeps past him with real majesty and strength. As soon as the door shuts on him, Regan turns fiercely and bitterly to Emily. Regan in an outburst. That's a swell turn you just done me, ain't it? Going back on your husband, trying to soak him every way you could. Please, Michael. Say, ain't I treated you well? Ain't I done everything I thought you wanted? Ain't I given up half me business to your old man? Ain't I put ye in a swell house and deposited a cool million to your credit in the First National? Don't, Michael. Ain't I kept out of your way as much as I could, a-sneakin' in the back door, beatin' it to my room whenever I heard ye comin'? Michael! I've tried to make livin' here easy for ye, and what do I get in return? You wait till I'm scrappin' with both hands and breathin' hard, and then ye up and stick a knife in me back, ye! I didn't! What's that? I just spoke out because I couldn't help it. I couldn't see you do a thing like that. Ah, oh, it's too bad about you. But now's your chance to make it up. Michael, listen. It's your chance. Chance? With him on his way down there to talk against me? I ain't got no chance. All I got is a finish. Don't let him do it for you. Give in of your own accord, before anyone can make you. Give in? Yes. Call up the mass meeting. Tell them you've heard their ultimatum. Tell them you accept it. Then when the archbishop comes, he'll find out what you've done. And oh, he'll be so glad. I won't quit while I got the life still in me. You must. Oh, Michael, I don't want you to do this just to help those men, or to please the archbishop, or to make me happy. I want you to do it for yourself. Nah. Don't you see what it means? Don't you understand? You're the only one I'm thinking of. It's all for you. Everything's for you. Nah. Michael, you must. I said I won't. Please. She puts her hand on his arm. Regan, throwing her off. Give in. Accept their ultimatum. Let them scoopers know they got me licked. Say, what do you think I am? Telephone rings. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Regan at telephone. Hello? Who is it? Porky? What? 
he's speaking in the name of the holy catholic church what never to work for me again what's all that noise cheerin suddenly he dashes the instrument to the desk without ringing off and glares at emily well ye've done the trick d'ye hear he done the trick now go on tell me you're glad spit it out get it off your chest and laugh say why don't ye laugh i'm just waitin for that laugh ye think i'm smashed ye think i'm finished ye think i'm knocked to hell well i ain't d'ye hear i ain't i'll beat em yet by god i'll beat em yet his fist crashes on the desk as the curtain falls End of Act Second